Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. Maybe seated. So today our passage that we're going to focus on is the first part of the gospel reading uh, found in Matthew chapter 13. So if you want to turn with me there, if you have a Bible to Matthew chapter 13, uh, we're going to focus today on the parable of the mustard seed with a little bit of talking about the leaven as well. So, um, so this passage, it's important to understand what God is doing here with these parables, what Jesus is doing when he's preaching these parables to his disciples. If you look through the context of Matthew chapter 13, basically what, what is happening is Jesus is clarifying expectations. So this past week, I had a workshop, a two-day workshop on uh, Wednesday and Thursday. It was a full-day workshop where I was on Zoom, and it was really funny because uh, that Zoom workshop, basically, they kept having to stop the workshop and clarify expectations with people. As I was watching Zoom, and, and someone else was at this workshop that's in this room, I won't name names, uh, but uh, as we were looking on Zoom, we were texting each other about how funny it was that so-and-so was asleep. And so-and-so, look, they're driving in the car during the workshop. Um, it was just such a funny time. And basically, the leaders of the workshop kept being like, hey, uh, we need to talk about expectations. We already laid out what is expected here. And, uh, and so if you do it again, you, know, you might be out of the workshop. So it's a little bit different what Jesus is doing here, but the expectations theme stood out to me of basically what's happening is these disciples are saying to Jesus, um, this is not what we expected. And so Jesus is giving a list of parables which will explain the kingdom of God according to the way that it truly is going to be. And so one of those parables today is this mustard seed and the leaven passage that we'll be focusing in on together. So the reality is this is not the kingdom of God that they are expecting. And I do feel like this is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago for these disciples. Is the kingdom of God always what you have expected. Sometimes we are just elated with joy at the kingdom of God. We feel like everything is going the way we want it to go. Uh, we're excited to be part of what God is doing. And other times I think we are frustrated or don't understand what God is doing and why he's doing things the way he is doing. And so I think if we were to have a conversation where we could all throw out, how are your expectations uh, being met by the way that God is doing, we would have a really interesting conversation. And because I know many of you, I have some of these conversations from time to time. And I know that we have very different feelings in this room all the time, uh, where people are at. And so as we read this passage, let's see what maybe Jesus has to say to us today and our expectations for the kingdom of God. So there's three things that I would like to talk about this morning in the passage, three things that Jesus says about the kingdom of God in this passage, uh, which I believe will be helpful for us. So the first point is the kingdom of God starts small. This might be the more obvious point in the passage. This is certainly the point that is most common for those of us who've heard this story before. But the reality is that um, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. So this point is that the kingdom of God starts small. And this is the point that the disciples maybe were most challenged by 
initially of this is not what we expected the kingdom of God to look like, right? So Jesus has chosen 12 disciples to spend a lot of time with these 12 people in a place in the world that is certainly somewhat irrelevant to the, uh, the politics of that day. And yet through this 12 people, Jesus has made a plan to strategically work through them to continue reaching the world 2,000 years later. Uh, so Jesus has laid out a plan where the kingdom of God is going to grow through methodical growth rather than being big and powerful from the get-go. And this is something that I must admit I struggle with very much. So I'm sure there's different types of people in this room. I personally am the type of person, I think, go big or go home, okay? So this part is really hard for me. I'm regularly frustrated. Last service, Deacon Stephen was deaconing for us today, and he was sitting here, and he and I have this funny dynamic where we dream together a lot about what we could do here at Redeemer. And so uh, sometimes I even get what I would call an idea hangover afterwards. I'm like, man, we have so many ideas. I don't know how we're going to achieve any of these. But uh, what the funny thing is that Stephen will regularly tell me, Jared, you got to slow down, man. Like, you got to slow down one step at a time. Like, you've got a 10-year, this is like a 10-year vision that you're talking about. Slow down. What is God calling us to do today? And he's right, but it doesn't make it easier for me, okay? So uh, this is something that has challenged me deeply, and I'm sure it will challenge many of us here in this room. So throughout history, if you look at the way God has been working, there are so many examples of how through small methodical projects, uh, God has done great and powerful things through his kingdom. So I just want to name a few examples today, and there's so many more examples that we could talk about. But uh, one, for example, that stood out to me in my research this week is the development of the hospital. So today in Greensboro, there's, I should have Googled this and found out, I don't know how many hospitals there are, but I do know that there's one on many street corners throughout our city. And there was a time in the world where that was not the case and where one Christian person got it in their head. Wait, wait a minute. We need to develop hospitals that will be a place to help sick people. And that spread like wildfire to the point where now today we have hospitals all over the place. This was at one point in time, not a self-explanatory thing, but we've seen how that work of mission has gone to bless the whole world. So nowadays, we don't even realize that that's a Christian thing, right? We're like, oh, hospitals just exist. Um, so another example that stood out to me this week is one of my favorites. It's about a guy named St. Boniface. Some of you in the room are nodding your head because you've heard of St. Boniface before. Most of you are kind of like, what are you talking about here? Boniface sounds kind of weird. Um, St. Boniface was one of my favorite saints in church history because as someone who cares a lot about Germany, he was kind of the apostle to the Germans, right? So St. Boniface was an English person. Uh, he you know, came from England. And he felt called to go be a missionary to the Germanic tribes on the other side of the Rhine River, which at the time was not a smart thing to do, okay? It was a brutal way to die, and he did find that out later on in his life when he was murdered. So uh, the decision to cross the Rhine River and go preach the gospel to the Germans, he uh, chose to do that, and he did it very interestingly in that he methodically built monasteries, which are which were just prayer centers in the middle of a place where most people were hostile to the faith. And so a couple of years ago, I was leading a youth camp where uh, we got to visit a bunch of different sites. And so we actually visited one of the monasteries that St. Boniface had founded. And it was it's now a ruin. It's even a venue, con- concert venue, 
Uh, but we stood in the middle of this town, which is made up of 50,000 people. It's a pretty important town in that region of Germany. And I looked across and I saw this one monastery back then was in the middle of nowhere, right? I mean, it was a field. And he started this prayer center with maybe one other monk, and then it kind of grew slowly but surely. And now if you look, it's like a whole civilization burst forth from this place of prayer. I just think that's such an interesting example to see how God has worked through those kind of methodical strategies throughout history that aren't trying to achieve everything all at one time, but are just confident in the power and the work of God to grow things according to his plan. So I think as we close out this point, I think there's two equal and opposite errors that we can do when it comes to our expectations for the kingdom of God. One of them is that we try and achieve everything all at once. We think it has to happen now and uh, go big or go home. That's the one. And then the other is we think we're doing small things, but really we've checked out, right? So it's like, well, I'm not going to, if God's going to do it all, I'm just going to kind of do my thing and I'm sure it will all work out in the end. And so these two things are, I think, equal opposite errors when it comes to our part in what God is doing. We have to see that we are called to do something. We are called to be part of what God is doing, but our trust is ultimately placed in his wisdom and his strategy for what he's going to achieve. That brings me now to the second point, which is the kingdom of God is unpredictable and it grows according to God's plan. So there's there's kind of an interesting tension here between point one and point two, because on the one hand, Jesus says it's going to start small, but on the other hand, he says it's going to get out of control real fast. And that's the interesting part of the mustard seed. So this is something that I had never heard before, before I started studying the passage this week. But really, the mustard seed, as wonderful of an example as it is, as Jesus starts talking about the mustard seed, a lot of the people that are listening to him start to get really uneasy because the mustard seed was not a plant you wanted to plant in your garden. It is a rapidly spreading, out-of-control plant. And so it actually was, for many people often throughout history, it was banned to even try and plant it in your garden. It grew, it happened, everyone knew it happened, but the idea was let's not try and cultivate this out-of-control plant. So I found a great, um, a great quote this past week where someone said, the plant is a tyrant and a nuisance. It is the terror of the farmer. It takes riotous possession of a whole field in a season, once in, never out. For one plant this year, a million next. Gold is as distinct a value to the eye as the nugget gold is in the pocket. So this quote just points out, on the one hand, the wonderful value of this plant. And on the other hand, it is out of control. It's impossible to be tamed. And so the farmer is like, don't you dare come near my farm with this plant, right? And so I thought uh, this morning it, it stood out to me that that's kind of the way it is right now in North Carolina with the bamboo plant. I don't know if you've heard about this, but uh, there's one particular type of bamboo that is not native to North Carolina, and it has just gone crazy. And there's, you will see it sometimes if you drive around here in this area. Uh, I know I've seen it over in Turnersville that there's just farms full of bamboo plants that are out of control, and nobody can seem to figure out what to do with it. So this is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about the mustard seed. On the one hand, rabbis would use the mustard seed to describe small things that grow. But on the other hand, to describe this as a positive description of the kingdom of God is not necessarily something that would have come naturally to your average person. 
And so Jesus describes a kingdom which grows so quickly and unpredictably that it will disturb some. Some will love it and some will hate it. So I think, what can we learn from this today? This defeats our illusions of control, right? So we can make plans, we can do things, we can have strategies. And on the other hand, we have to come again and again to the conclusion that God is going to do what God is going to do. And so what do we do with this? The disciples expect a big kingdom, which is awfully stable, which will be just a beautiful thing in the whole world. And instead, Jesus gives them a kingdom that is small, starting small, but growing out of control and unpredictable. So what do we do with this? And I think the answer is we do the best we can, right? And I think that our goal is to to discern what God is doing while cultivating, nonetheless, the kingdom that he's given us to be a part of. So we have to make strategies. We have to make plans. We have to, to... to go forward in faith, trusting that God will do uh, what he is calling us to do. And on the other hand, we have to be ready and anticipate the factor that is, it is his kingdom and not mine. That's what I think we learn from this passage today. But the kingdom of God is not a comfortable wheat field, right? Or a wheat and corn field that you plant and it grows nicely. And yeah, sure, maybe there's a few weeds in there, but for the most part, it's going to grow according to my plans. It is a kingdom of God which will grow according to what God is going to do. And finally, last but not least, the kingdom of God is expanding to other people. This is, I think, the least obvious point in this passage. Uh, It's one that doesn't stand out as quickly, uh, but basically what Jesus is doing with these parables is he's stretching their, uh, their expectation of the kingdom, and he's doing it in line with Old Testament prophecy but he's doing it in a way that maybe they didn't expect. So when Jesus talks about the birds of the air, which will come and make nests in its branches, he's talking about the Old Testament prophecies where Israel was often described as a tree. But in Daniel 4, it talks about how birds will come and nest in the branches of that tree. It's talking about the Gentiles. Okay, It's talking about people that do not belong to Israel coming and being hosted by the kingdom that God is going to. To build. And so on one hand, they did anticipate that this would happen eventually, but Jesus is basically saying the time is coming. The time has come. We are going to open up this kingdom to start welcoming people into the fold that we've not been actively, aggressively welcoming up to this point. And the same kind of thing he's doing when he talks about leaven. So the leaven in most Jewish uh, theological explorations of that time was never per se, a positive thing, right? So leaven, uh, to be a holy uh, Jew on the Passover was to make sure there was no leaven in your house. Now, they did eat leavened bread, so it's not that only unleavened bread was allowed. But as a description, leaven is typically used to describe things which are um, not nice, right? So like Paul uses it to talk about sin. This is a common way to talk about sin as leaven which is like when leaven gets into bread, it spreads quickly and it ruins the whole lump if, you, if the point of that bread was to be kind of holy, sacred bread on the Passover, right? So Jesus is using leaven, but he's using it in a way that he's describing it ultimately as a positive thing. And so I think as we hear these things, what we should realize is when Jesus talks about the mustard seed and when he talks about the leaven, 
he's using words that are bringing kind of a certain tension in the people that he's talking to. They're kind of going, I don't know if this is what I signed up for, right? Like, I can see this, Jesus, but this also is kind of shocking. It's, it's a little bit provocative what he's doing here. But what he says is that uh, when he talks about the birds nesting in the trees and when he talks about the leaven spreading, that leaven spreading from this, says this woman who took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leaven. That's, uh, from everything I can tell, basically, this is one person baking and the bread that she's making can feed up to 150 people, right? So it's kind of a drastic, like one person baking is feeding 150 people. That's not unheard of, but the point is, uh, I would have loved to have this more at our potlucks this summer, for example. <laughs> we, had, we had many times where uh, our potluck, uh, we had hungry teenagers come out and we did not have enough food. And sometimes it was like, we got to get some more food here, guys. And, uh, but Jesus describing this wonderful feast, basically, that's going to come from hosting these new people into the kingdom of God. This is something which I believe is ultimately a beautiful thing but which is going to stretch the imagination of the disciples. And I think it stretches our imagination for what hospitality in the kingdom of God looks like. And so believe it or not, I think that one of the points of this passage today fits well with our value here at Redeemer of radical hospitality. The kingdom of God will never be a place which can get too comfortable in who, uh, in who is currently sitting at the table, right? So this is not in any way, shape, or form a condemnation of our church. But just to point out something that I think is helpful to remind us, when, when you have a church like we have, right, we've got around 300 people here this morning between the services that we've had already and the services we will have today. The reality is that's a lot of work, right? Um, taking care of 300 people, providing pastoral care to those people, preaching to those people, inviting those people, organizing volunteers for these people, it's a lot of work. And so I think that what inevitably always happens, and it's the same for the disciples as it is for us today, is you start to get comfortable with who is already in the boat because you're like, we've, we've got enough people to take care of here, right? And so Jesus describes the kingdom of God, which is going to grow out of control unpredictably and which will be inviting new people in. And I think it's just helpful for us to remember that that is part of the essence of what it means to be the church today. That is part of what it means to be the kingdom of God in the midst of this world is to be a place that's radically hospitable and lets ourselves be uncomfortable. The truth is inviting new people into this community on a regular basis, inviting those people in that God is putting in our doorstep, it will be hard work. It will not always be comfortable. And that's the same, that same feeling that the disciples are having when Jesus is talking about this. It's the same feeling that we will have time and time again when we think, how am I supposed to even do this? But that's what Jesus is inviting us to do, is to stay, to stay in one way, to use the word that Chris and I were thrown back and forth this morning, to stay on our toes a little bit, right? It's, uh, there's always going to be a factor of what is God doing that's going to disrupt our plans. So let's be the kind of church that tries to live this out together. I have a video just to close out our sermon today. Uh, when we were in Rwanda, uh, we had uh, a, a safari trip that we were able to do, which was awesome. And so we went to a park called the Akagera National Park. And there's this 
center that is kind of like the visitor center there uh, at the park. And uh, you can get coffee, you can use the restroom. It's really good coffee and very nice restroom facilities. And so we're all chilling, kind of having a nice time. And, uh, and I'm just standing there kind of drinking my coffee. And I look up and in this tree above me, there are hundreds of birds. Hundreds. So, yes. I just love this video and the image that has stuck in my brain of being this kind of church that hosts people that lets these birds come and nest in our branches. So I just thought I would leave that image with you today. Amen.